Hey everybody, this is Tavo DRC of the Apostolic Ministry, which is Cross Body Unity. It's a, a move of the of the Lord in Bible reform and teaching, trying to teach collaboration, Ephesians 4 community. Everyone walking it out in meekness and lowliness and long suffering, cross racially, cross body, cross style, book of Acts or not. And so we're teaching as a submitted Selah to the body of Christ with those who have ears to hear. You don't have to join. There are no members. I'm not over you and you're not over me. This is a Galatians 1, 1 and 2 office, which is mutually submitted to everybody in the fear of the Lord, Ephesians 5, 21, which is like first church. And then I'm a Galatians 1, 1 and 2, not sent out by any one group, any one person. I and the brothers and sisters that are with me out in the field, collaborating as the Lord allows with divine appointment ministry. As I've said before, I'll say it for a while to teach on it. You know, when I look at Paul and we hear the all the names and the gainsayers attached with ministry, certain places, and, you know, fanning the flame of the capital A apostle, capital P prophet, you know, we're the big cheese, so to speak. And then many people are like that, which are true and not, you know, bragging, but just are called to big anointing or big influence. So we want to point out that over here, when you hear crossbody unity, we're trying to dig up, we're trying to get rid of the racism, the bias, get a realistic, pragmatic approach to the Pentecostals. Uh, many times, if you look at what we're, we're talking to, it's the people who move in the book of Acts. And we're pro them, and I have been pro them, but I had to get out of being a charismatic back in 2012 in Dallas due to all the false teaching, to all the character fruit, really. The, <laughs> as I was would often say to myself back then in my studies, uh, you know, many times we say, are they a character or do they have Christ's character? And that's what we're looking at right now. So in our teaching today, in our, you know, our Selah, prophetic Selah, child of Issachar Selah, I'm submitting it not dogma, autocratic dogma, but to Selah, pause and think about it, you hear God, just like Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, we want you to have that grace, Paul gave it to us, he said, work out your, he says, follow me only if I follow Christ, Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So I've been writing a lot lately, thinking about and discussing who and what in modern day ministry, with all the media, with all the different kinds and styles, every race, who and what is truly Bible, Holy Bible, fear of the Lord, organic, if we were to examine that. I've been thinking of this for over a decade. In the early, mid-2000, you know, 2010, 2008, it was starting to red flag itself when I was with dysfunction, trying to visit a church, trying to join a, quote, celebrity ministry that was, um, you know, like a fellowship of ministers type thing. I wasn't doing it because it was celebrity, quite the opposite. I'm not like that. But because that was what was available where I was. And I felt, you know, the people at the top, my opinion the people at the very top of celebrity that we would know their names and moves, they don't know what's going on with the people who take their name and use their name and add to their doctrine, subtract, make it their own, and try to use the people and add their own dysfunction with it. 
the second Timothy three, one through five from such turn away toxic fruit. All right. So that brings me with all the light of things you and I all know, which is a lot. We live in the information age. We have online. We're trying to stir up new thought and get a creative idea of how to really present, represent, and repackage, not change the message, but change the method and change us so that we really represent the true bride of Christ like Jesus Christ wants. Like Paul said, the one that influences society. The issue is, if all these people, include myself, if all of us were influencing society as a Christian, the Christian, then it wouldn't be like it is. So we've got to take a little bit of ownership. We've got to go back to the Bible, go back to you and me, and figure out who and what is true in modern-day ministry, who and what is playtime, who is what is just ignorant, gone to seed, never knew it. And, you know, people are ignorant. Everybody is ignorant compared to Jesus. But we don't want it creating loss for Jesus' side and the Christian you know, eternity so that's why I'm speaking, faithful are the wounds of a friend, Proverbs 27, 6 style, which is also 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, my call since the 80s. It is that the Bible is God's inspired word of God. It's profitable for instruction, for doctrine, for reproof and correction so that the man and woman of God, the person of God will be thoroughly furnished. And see, this is it. A lot of people don't want they want information. They want a lot of it. But they don't know the Bible to say that reproving, correcting, is also part of the good news. It's to keep balance. And we're trying to do it respectfully. I don't call your name out, their name out, her name out. I don't make TMZ videos and get monetized. Not at all. We're quite the opposite. We want people I'm subtle because I really believe that if you teach like this, don't red flag people, which causes people to gravitate and become hateful toward the top person accusing, but they never get to the doctrine, what's wrong, right or wrong. And many times the people they're accusing are being accused by people who have false teaching. They're under the law. <laughs> so we've been on this journey to study decades and decades of the body of Christ. That was why this is an ap apostolic ministry. I was called after my dad was a pastor, Baptist pastor, who wasn't under the law. I never needed to be liberated because I was raised liberated. That means not under the law. People were equal. They lived out their life. My parents, their parents on both sides and their marriage in Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. And my mother was in 5.22. All the women were in Ephesians 5.22 as well, but nobody made a big deal of it. It was just order. It was just God's way, and it wasn't like super saint, super spiritual, or controlling or power plays in the family. Only thing I can note about that is it was only a miracle that God put me in that by grace. So let's just do this talk today about promoting some ideas for thought provoking thought about how do we figure out what is really true in ministry when we talk about Jesus, who he is and was and will be, and about going to church, fellowshipping with the saints. 
I believe in all of those, but I think we got confusion, media, showbiz, tech, false teaching, and witchcraft in there. A lot of this famous stuff has come through the years, and now it's set up its camp, so I believe, and I'm talking to the spirit-filled, talking to myself too, but I believe there are three kinds of ministers out there to watch out for and see which one you want to be like, which one you want to follow, which one you want to give to, which one you want to sit under and let them speak into your life. There is the godly remnant, the holy fear of the Lord, godly remnant, equal opportunity, really respectful, honors the mothers and the fathers and the other pastors, a real Christian, the first love kind of office the first love lifestyle that's what you want the remnant okay you'll be safe you'll be treated with respect no matter what your color your gender your style then we got the demas the demas are what paul mentioned about the young gifted and talented called youth who's named demas he says demas has left the ministry because he loved the things of this world more so the fruit of a demas means they love more than people more than fear of the Lord, they love stuff. They love their house. They love their ministry. They love to, you know, have a famous name or power position and all that. Last, we have the Eli. The last type of minister would be the Eli, the first Samuel Eli, whom God is going to judge, unless they first repent and change their ways. And this is a challenge to them. When you want to read Eli, Eli was the move of God that had gotten used to it, accustomed big boss. They were playtime. They were ornery. They pressured God's people for the money and used it for themselves, Eli's sons, and Eli did nothing to do it. They were the associate pastors. They also used females. They also played around and disrespected, demeaned, and defiled women that came to the churches the church and Eli did nothing so they were misogynist they had a thing about about sex and money today sadly it could be all kinds of gender as well as ages youth babies whatever god forbid but that's how it is if you note what i'm noting that there is going there was a warning sent by an unknown prophet to Eli and his family Ichabod the glory of the Lord has departed, and then they were wiped out. And who came along? But the first prophet of the nation of Israel, Samuel, God's new move. And I would find that the Eli, if they were that disrespectful of God's people, the women, and of the money, putting pressure and taking God's people's money, I would think that that would be a worthy sin right now. God is looking at it now, and he's going to bring it down. So we don't want anyone to go, but we're pro the people. We're just not for false teaching because it defiles people, makes people, it defiles God. It blasphemes God. It's false advertising. Why do you say, come to church? If you're going to use them, it's for you. It's not about God. It's taking his name in vain. And the Bible teaches me in Exodus 20, verse 7, the Mosaic Ten Commandments, God will not hold you guilty who takes his name in vain. False advertising, bait and switch in ministry. False fruit, false authority, using people, abusing people under the goodness of the name of God. 
With that said, now let's look at Jesus. Let's start with Jesus. I've been writing on that. I challenged everybody and I've said, you know, with all the confusion, all the ministry portrayal, all the good works, all the fault finding, all the Bible beatdowns, all the racial bias and the controlling submission teaching gone awry, there's order. Mutual submission and the fear of the Lord, Ephesians 5.21 in ministry, family, church, business, Christian community. But there is a submission idol. Who are you under? All this has bred neo-Phariseeism in nouveau riche ministry. Nouveau riche ministry. It's character issue. Demas. The Bible teaches us that Jesus went about doing good. It teaches us that Jesus Christ was over in Jerusalem. He was in the Middle East, so he wasn't Caucasian. And when Jesus Christ was in the Middle East, he was in the middle of the trade route. He was in the middle of Gentiles and Jews and Romans. He was in the midst of people from Africa and Asia, slaves and free, idolaters, Baal worshippers, good people searching and Romans, all sorts of things. He was there with the Hebrew system after the, this is my opinion, and I have studied this for many years. After the warning, this is my submitted sila, not dogma. After the submit, after the warning in the book of Obadiah, Isaiah and Obadiah had real warnings about God's leaders of the Hebrew people. Not accusing the Hebrews. This is just a pattern I'm teaching. The Christians are doing it. <laughs> All right, so in the in the warning to Obadiah that the Edomites, the Esau, the carnal priesthood was trying to infiltrate the real priesthood, I believe that after the end of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, when Malachi warned the warning of the about the priests and their divorcing their wife of their youth and money and all these similar things, that the 400 years between the Malachi end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament Matthew, there was 400 silent years, 10 generations. It is my opinion that the priests, God's people and his leaders, were deciding who they're going to serve. And there was no Bible canon written during that time. Come out on the other side. Now we got a system. And we got the Hebrew law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who attacked God's new move. That would be Jesus Christ, all right? Now, within the temple system, they were the Pharisees, the arch, you know, the arch Pharisees and the Torah. But the common people, Jews and Gentiles, were open. They were soft-hearted. It was really the religious spirit on the people who owned the temple, who governed the system. Jesus didn't come. He was Jewish. You know, we honor the Jews. Listen, we honor the Jews. We honor the Gentiles. It was the system, like then, like now, in the Christian sense. When history repeats, you know, when we read history, rather, I found out through a scholar that had published a paper, and then he was dead when I read it, somewhere in Dallas, but I found this about Obadiah and the the, hit, the history of the people were now in office in the New Testament. The Pharisees who ran the temple. Okay, well, it was the Pharisees were Edomites. By the time they came out of the 400 years of silence, the majority of them were 
Edomites. Esau, hireling priesthood, and Herod, who murdered the babies at that time, trying to find Jesus, was also an Edomite. Now, there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant in every crowd. So we have John the Baptist's father, who was a priest at that time. So they're always, you have to, you know, you can't label everybody. You don't accuse anybody. You assess them and evaluate them one by one, person by person, leader by leader, group by group. You and me, you know, because nobody's perfect. But then you have to think, now, which is the one that it's really sold out that is dangerous for me to go there? They're playing with my, their playtime, and they could be bringing people not to Jesus, but farther away, not to the Lord. So this is why we're making a big deal about this, because if we have organic and we have truth it will bring people to the real Jesus for, you know, the Messiah. What is organic? In light of food on the table, organic means there's no human synthetic additives. Right now we have meat that is not all true. It would also have hormones in it. You can have the bread that is bought up by the agribusinesses. It's injected with, injected with the different kinds of chemicals to make it have more money, bring more money in, go farther. So it's tainted. And America years ago, I remember seeing an article about um, a man who is, uh, had written a book about the additives in the diet in America about wheat product, that it made us all want to eat 265 calories or more a day just because the additives. But that's why America started to get so fat. All right. So we don't want to have things that will corrupt us. Another thing I mentioned uh, for a while is that when I've studied the body of Christ at age 24 till now, with my father being a Baptist pastor with my, you know, quality doctrine, quality government, respected his wife and all people equally black and white, males and females. He was never against another faith. He, he was true to the Lord and to his wife and to all of us then I can look back and see a difference of character and then false teaching that is out there. It makes me more sensitive. Now, I believe in a lot of the good things. I've been touched mightily and deeply by TV ministers, so it's not them. It could be, but I'm not making a blanket statement. I think I can't accuse them. Therefore, the grace of God go I, but I can see what the people do with it. Out at this, I was out in the embed. I was an embed to study the body of Christ to not be famous. I was in circles that were, you know, minister circles, pastor circles, charismatic and assembly of God and different kinds, prophetic, well, Western European Levitical patriarchism was the big one, discovery. <laughs> My daddy wouldn't like that. And it is spirit-filled tongue-talking, which I am pro that, but I'm not pro false teaching. So when you look at the additives, they're, there's true and false persons in their character and their representation of the Lord, of Christ. They're not biased, or they could be biased. All right, These could be black or white people, or brown, males or females. Then we have character. We have their authority and government, how they treat people and run their ship of state. How they do that. Is it really godly? Is it more for them? Is it to make money off of people? Is it a cult system? Does it hurt people? Use them, abuse them. So we got character. We got 
humility. We got Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, 21, walking it out in mutual submission in the fear of the Lord for community equally. But we got authority, and that's where all this comes in, authoritarianism versus servant leadership. And when we look at Jesus, this is the challenge for everybody. I have a few challenges to study the doctrine, who you're sitting under, what you portray, who you give to, and then who is really Jesus. Read your Bible. And like I said, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was living in the Middle East. He had brown skin. He was Jewish, but he wasn't a white colonial. And he respected males and females equally. I would like everyone to do this challenge because of all the misogyny, bias, racism, good old big shot stuff, uh, Bible thumping, jumping people in public. I've been jumped in public three times over 20, 30 years. All this stuff that's going on, racism, politics, Bible thumping, hate speech, all the things that people on TV think Christians are right now, the dysfunction, and a lot of it has been true. <laughs> I want you and everybody within the sound of my voice, and I'm always talking to the Christian, but anybody else is welcome to do it too. We can all improve. I would like everybody to get your Bible out, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when Jesus Christ was alive walking the earth in ministry with his mother, Mary, with the disciples, with the little children, with the society, with the Romans, you name it. And I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how Jesus acted and reacted in every single relationship. This is abiding relationship theology, my theology, I call it abiding relationship theology. Everybody's got some art, abiding relationship theology inside every human heart. There's art, be it evil art, conniving art, snaky art, manipulative art, or loving and refreshing and compassionate true holy fear of the lord art okay so you read your bible get your bible out do a little bible study and say i'm going to take notes of how jesus acted and reacted in every and you're going to see that he was not a bible thumper he was not a hate-filled person he was not biased he was not misogynist he was not a sin spire of pharisee he was equal with everybody and respected them in the fear of the lord with that said, let us then examine who we sit under, who we're listening to, how they act, and see if they're acting like Jesus and teaching like Jesus, respecting people like Jesus. This is the biggest factor that got me stirred up was when before I came up here, I had I had lost my mate, and I'd seen some of this uh, false teaching of submission. You know, I got a, I started to get the whelp on my radar where I was never been around that. And I started to get, a, you know, many people I noticed in a certain area, not where I had grown up, but the false teaching had come in. I guess it's wannabe ism. So I was just studying the doctrine. I thought, all right, I'm going to study this one. And I found out it is ignorance. It's like of teaching. It's false teaching. And it's also good old boy back in the hills, Mountain William School of Theology, it looks like. And also need to be, I think, low self-esteem. 
But I think people are trying hard, but they just never met a real Christian or they didn't have good, you know, I think they were raised dysfunctionally. That's what I thought. Started in America and I started in the 90s. I started noticing it more. And then when I went out to the deep Southwest, I was surrounded. I was isolated. I'd lost my husband. And I went to the churches to get, you know, to get fellowship, not be in grief. And I had never, to be honest, never been around misogyny, even as a female in Virginia before that. No. If any, if people didn't like me, they were just out because they had to make a name for themselves. Oh, we've never talked to her. We've never, you know, we've never really asked her about herself, but we don't respect women. Uh, and so she's unsubmitted to our theology. Well, I knew that was going on, but I thought, man, why don't they talk to me? So I noticed the many kinds of Christians that are dysfunctional that say they represent Jesus and have a church. Or maybe they're over the church, or they're the apostle, the bishop. Not all the apostles and bishops are like that at all. But I was being given a taste of what God must see. He also told me, Tavo... If I let you see something that hurts people or my good name three times or more different places when you go to church, that is my sign unto you that I see a lot of it and I want you to teach about it. So that's why I'm doing it, just obeying God. So I was commissioned when I was 24 by the Lord to go study the body of Christ, the doctrines, the leader doctrines, their pet peeves, their red flag buzzwords, their music, their dress, all that stuff. And I was led just silently, but not looking for anything, but just enjoying it mostly until the last 15, 20 years when celebrity met occult <laughs> and witch watching and submission going awry. But a lot of people go th and I forgave them. I speak this way to shake them up, though. I speak because I know what the front lines are like too many places. Not everybody, but listen, not everybody ain't. Vocabulary has come to my mind as a trainer, right? If you notice their character, how they, how they respect people, how they respect you, people that are not like themselves, that is a big deal. You can see that over in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, Paul's issue, his warning of the last days, which we're now living in, to be careful, they're toxic, T turn away. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, also 1 Timothy 6, 5, if they are big shots and they say you're not blessed unless you have money, Paul says turn away from that one. So there are two turn away from turn away friendly for our fellowships. That's our teaching. Now they'll have the doctrine, their teaching. Do they know Jesus? Do they really, you know, are you going to get to heaven? That's the big one. But then how do they run their show? How do they run the, the authority? Are they a big eye, little use? Are they smiling? Are there scowls that mean? You better watch it. It's false doctrine and Phariseeism. They're going to get you sooner or later. <laughs> and that would be another sign of the Friendly Fire Fellowship, Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. So just keep your wits about you. Next, this is people, I submit, this is training that I had to teach you and had to learn myself because I never, to not be moved by it, because I never suspected that when I would go to a Christian church, a fellowship to worship with the saints, and they said they were prophets, many of these, or apostles, that this would be the finding of the fruit at the grassroots floor. The people doing it. So time after time, more than three times, listen, that got me passionate for Jesus, zeal 
for the Father's house. Toss over a few religious system moneymaker table because it is about money. Usually every bit of this is money fruit. It really is. Now I'm looking for organic Jesus. I'm going to read Jesus, how he acted and reacted even with money and the people in the temple. Uh, I'm just acting like Jesus. He was fed up. He loved him. I love him. I respect him. But listen, they're human. But God has got to bring his people and it needs to be safe for people to go visit and attend churches and new people. This Phariseeism is over the top. Levitical patriotism and legalism turns accusation of different people and different colors and the rules. More than the heart of God, the fear of God, the love of God, it's now about the rules. Sizing you up. Are you talented? Are you gifted like I am? That's a lot of it right now. This is not Baptist. All right. So we got the heart of God we're looking for in the people, in the leaders. We got the character of God, the respect for everybody, the valuing of people that they are grateful they're there, not just thinking, oh, they're my member. I own them in the club that they're now mine, which is their slave driver. Then we look for the pool. This is a big one. You walk in to a fellowship to try it out, a church, a ministry. You'll see the pastor. You'll see the worship. You'll see the people. You'll see the different, you know, note the different way they run things. And you will want to submit while you're there. You're on their property. You submit by surveying the boundaries that are in place and the leadership and you you know, you defer to them. They're in charge. You don't take over. You don't be big boss, but you watch out for yourself. So then you notice what I'm teaching you is you want to be aware lately. You know, if you keep on going back more than two or three times, you're going to encounter something, not just the first part, the sermon, the music, the talent, the people shaking your hand. You're going to be starting to immerse in the doctrinal bathwaters. This is big. The doctrinal bathwaters are like when you go into a bath, you pour yourself a nice warm bath. When you get in, you do not want to have any virus in there, any poison, any anything that will stick to you when you leave it, that bathroom, bath uh, water. So you get out of the bathtub and everything is healthy and you go on your way and you're happy. But if you are not, if there's some sneaky stuff in the water, there's poison, it's not filtered water, it's got a disease in it, it will stick to you later and start to multiply and fester on you. And that is the concept of the doctrinal bathwater. The doctrinal bathwater is how what's really going on in the people that run it, the leadership, the elders, the governing lay. Are they praying against you? Are they false teachers? Are they minimizing? Are they big eye, you know, are they hypocrites? Are they just like, you know, pretending to like you, but they really disrespect you and demean you and devalue you because you're not their pet type. My Bible teaches me that you can watch for certain things. Ephesians 5, excuse me, Ephesians 3.13. To know the love of Christ. Do they know the love of Christ that passes knowledge? 
That means their skill, their Bible learning, and their talent. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, Ephesians 3.19. Then it says, if you know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, you'll be filled with the fullness of God. And you want to go where they're filled with the fullness of God. The fullness of God, all right? What is the love of Christ? Oh, well, everybody pretty much knows there's the sweet baby Jesus kind of love. And that's part of the love, but not all of it. The sweet baby Jesus part of love is turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, forgive everybody. They know not what they do. That's what we all want to do. But then you have to know, are they PC compromisers too much? Are they weak? Are they are they compromising? And then you have to know, are they the kind that will human up, man up, woman up, and stand up like Jesus Christ for what is right in this day without being a religious bumper, you know, Bible thumper? So you have the doctrinal bathwaters. I'm going to speak now to charismatics gone awry, the seer movements, the dysfunction. It was never in my wildest dream that I would ever have to deal with people who wanted to read my mind, the clubby, good old person's club that have elite trained people to scan me, never speak, to never smile. They're never smiling. And you can, because I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet and apostle, and that helps me protect myself by God's grace. So you can tell what they're doing, and that makes me watch them. I trigger it. And it took me 30 years to get this far to understand, wow, what in the world is going on in certain ones of these movements that say they want the spirit of prophecy, they're charismatic. So, of course, I thought, I'm going to study this. But it turned out, in, after years, that I realized this is a cult. It could be a cult spirit, but it is also using things that are more like the Salem witch trial spectral evidence to read our vibes, have dreams about us, never speak. See, the issue is they can read all they want to. They can spy us as a type. <laughs> they can see we're like this with their gifted powers of the seer. But if they've never loved us, they never spoke to me or you, they have no love to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge to be filled with the fullness of God. All right. That's Ephesians 3.19. That means they're not filled with the fullness of God. They're filled with their bias or whatever sin consciousness. Another one to be to watch out for is 1 John 1.7. This would also be a cult spirit, a dark, oppressive, witch watching type of spirit, maybe. All right, it may be mild, or it may be really big and noticeable, but you can watch out for its dysfunction. 1 John 1, 7 says, and I'm going to close because this is a long, I could talk a lot on this because I'm enthusiastic to get rid, have it delivered, <laughs> to deliver it out of this. All right, 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. This means me, but it means them, leaders and their appointed lay, the in-house elders. If they walk in the light as he is in the light, then they'll be interacting and respecting everybody, and they'll be cool with people who are different. 
and they will not minimize. They will not be competing in clannish and cloak and dagger, emotional drama. We're spying you and reading you, but we don't like you. We just want you to put money in the offering plate. That's what we're talking about. So this is trying to purify <laughs> and make the seats of the saints safe again in some of this kind of crazy manica. I would say as I speak that I've said there are charismatics, there are quasimatics, and there are crazymatics. The charismatic is the remnant in my terminology, the godly remnant, fear of the Lord, really respectful. All right, sound doctrine. Then we got the quasimatic. That's more like the Demas. You don't know who they really are. They're putting up a good front. They may say they're it. They may have all this stuff they want to hide under, or they just don't know themselves. You know, they're immature. But you got the quasimatic. You don't know who they are till later. They tell you they're this, but they are not that. Last, we got the crazymatic and the witch watching, you know, the occult divining and dysfunction are crazymatic fruit, in my opinion. Now, I'm for the human. Therefore, the grace of God go us all, but we're going to clean up the saints. We're going to have a revival and reform in the pews so that the new visitors will be safe and the repeat attenders and the lone women and the single parents and the grandmothers raising the children and the African-Americans and the teenagers. Everybody will be safe. It'll be like the old-timey Isaiah 56, 56 verse 7 temple. My house will be a house of prayer for all people, not just the in-crowd and the out-crowd, the elite and the nons, which is right now as a celebrity. Really, it's celebrity ministry. Now, one size does not fit all, and if they're renowned, there is a such thing as famous people. We call it famous, but God would call it renowned, elevated ministry that is really big, but not like that. They're still not Demas. They're not Eli. They are the real deal. And they could be black or white or brown. They could be charismatic or not, or they could speak in tongues or any kind. But it's one individual at a time, one group at a time we're looking at. Humility, the fear of the Lord, Ephesians 4, walking it out in community. No big eyes, no false authority. I'll repeat it again. Ephesians 5.21 is the first church organic method. I invited chat GPT AI to tell me with all the authoritarians out there in Christian ministry, all the totalitarians, all the fascists that are wanting their way of the highway, all those that are this, that, and the other was Ephesians 5.21 like my daddy, the Baptist, and most Christian denominational seem to be this way. Was it really the first church? Jesus, Paul, the apostles, the community. Was it really Ephesians 5.21 even in marriage, family, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord? The holy fear of the Lord plays a big part in this. A bigger part than you'd imagine. Keeps people tender and humble. Alright, so it answered back Yes, Ephesians 5.21 was the rule of the day for the servant leader church, including Jesus, the community, and marriage. 
Now, we, of course, do not forget 522, but if you're a married person and a leader, you got to know that both man and woman are Ephesians 522, not just about the woman. All right. So then I asked chat GPTAI in July or June of 2023. I said, well, when did the authoritarians come into church? When did that happen? Totalitarianisms type ministers. And they said they weren't there until the influences of Rome and Greece got in the churches. So see, that's false. Technically, it's error. We don't want to accuse you if you are like that. You've got to work on it, though. Figure out your, you know, everybody's got a different style of portrayal of them, you know, their own personality, and some are tougher and some are not, and some are needed that are tough, you know, but it's how we do it as that personality the best you can with Christ's help to represent the true Christ. With these things said, I'm just going to submit this as a giant, vast, big time sila. To those, because it takes self-government, self-discipline to do this. And I believe Paul, who wrote Ephesians 5.21, Ephesians 3.19, the fruits of the Spirit, which are Ephesians, uh, Galatians 5.22 and 23, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, and self-control, self-government, is part of the turf we need to cover now in Christianity and ministry. From the pulpit, from the mega and the micro, and the home. So I would like to end this today, just this podcast. I would like to end it with a suggestion that everyone get their Bible out and read to see if I'm really true on this. Read your Bible about Jesus Christ and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how he acted and reacted in every situation. The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, his mother, the kids, all right. When I'm looking at what might have gotten to, what got into the church that is not servant leadership, because I've had years, decades of study of this, God called my attention to Roman patricianism. Roman patricianism. If you Google Roman patricians, they were the eighty aristocrats of Rome who had the power of government, and they were they were aristocrats with the slave owner, rulum, totalitarianism, and also money and position and pride of Rome, governing Rome. And that is now in a lot of these churches that are tough, are Roman patricians mixed in with their own special submission doctrine or their own false teaching or their own need to be Demas and or Eli. Last thing, I would like to talk to you about failing to discern the body of Christ correctly. If I were to mention some of these people by name, which I won't, if I were to target them and accuse them of being evil, which I'm not, they're humans like I am, you know. I'm asking for doctrinal reform, not chopping people's heads off, putting them on the office chopping block. Not at all. Spare us all, Lord. But I'm saying that there is a penalty in the Bible that I'm mentioning for your sake. Some of your sakes, you need this to watch out for your sake. Paul said, some of you are ill. 
And some of you have died young because you failed to discern the body of Christ correctly. There are twofold meaning of that teaching. It really started in communion, the communion Lord's Supper, where Paul mentioned that some of the people had not prepared their hearts to take the Lord's Supper. And they, for, they had not prepared the meaning of Jesus shed blood, his body sacrificed, the blood and the blood, to really get it in their and, you know, the humility and the gratitude of that. However, the other part was that they did not respect all the different kinds of Christians. They might have catcalled, they might have rumored about them, they might have disrespected, word cursed them. Word cursing is giant right now in our nation and Christians, a lot of charismatics especially. People who flute, move in tongues have a lot of different kinds of tongue they pray in. <laughs> some of it is prayer language and some of it is pure. Some of it is praying up predatory. Some of it is um, poor me. Some of it is like, let's gossip. Let's trash everybody because we're envious or we're poor me, low opinion of ourselves. Gossip is the poor person's bread. They love to chew on it. That's my motto for them. So failing to discern the body of Christ correctly, I would think that that would honor Jesus if you really were careful how you did. I've, I've seen people die from this. I literally, and I won't talk on it tonight, a mega minister, two or three times I heard him on radio, I saw him in public, and he was ill, and he later died. He perished. He was young. So anyway, we don't want that on anybody. God didn't want it on anybody. But they if you open your mouth up, if you're not careful with your own lips and your own self-government, you can have all the authority you want as a Christian, as a ruler of your world and your empire and your ministry. But if you fail to discern the body of Christ correctly, God will know and he will judge you. So we're pro-you, but we're also pro-food for thought. This is a desperate time in ministry. It is a desperate time. Now, I know there's a lot of good stuff going on, but listen, I'm weeding it out. We're weeding it out. Because if you can't go now where they have really good, beautiful worship or long worship anymore because the people are so filled with venom and pride and turf guarding, and witchcraft to read you and never speak. That's just nothing more than, that's not theology, that's crapology. Sorry. So let us cleanse up and let us, the Lord move again. It's his, it's his churches. This is supposed to be about Jesus, not me. It's not my move. It's the Lord's move. And I'm submitting it as a seal. I'm not over you. And I'm not under you. I'm Galatians 1, 1 and 2. But I am submitted to everybody in Ephesians 5, 21. Mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. If I ever get married, if God ever sends somebody, then I will be Ephesians 5, 22 with that person. And I will be under him, under that Christian. I will be under him. Be rest assured. Other than that, you got to treat me like a, <laughs> a peer. You really do. And when I'm on your turf... When I visit your house or attend, repeat, I'm always submitted in Ephesians 5.21 to you. But you're not doing it. You're not teaching that main verse out there, everybody. A lot of you, especially the dysfunction, was never heard it in their rule, their book of 
of theology. So we're putting it out there. God is good as mercy endures. This is Tavo D'Arcy of Crossbody Unity. If you'd like to comment, if you'd like to have prayer, if you'd like to share one of your own little exciting discoveries of dysfunctional ministry, but if you would like to just ask a question, you're concerned with theology or make a comment, feel free. Write me at crossbodyunity at gmail.com. And God bless you. He loves you. Bye-bye.